the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hour three, Backbone Radio, Father's Day, June 19th, 2022. And yes, the great Jennifer Harris from Texas mentioned uh, to me that uh, it's a historic, is it Texas Independence Day? I'm not sure exactly what the historic date is down there in Texas, but it's a day to certainly celebrate that. In addition to Father's Day, hope everyone's having a good Father's Day and Honored you're taking a few moments with us here, or even a few hours with us here at Backbone Radio, where you get the good stuff. <laughs> we just bring the good stuff every week, week in, week out. Got to cover Second Amendment issues, red flag laws. Got to cover Biden energy policy, all kinds of stuff that we have to get to. Oh, McGregor's latest on Ukraine, dude. And we're going to maybe have some veep thoughts, from deep thoughts from Kamala Harris. So, hmm. Give me a break there. Um, But Elon Musk has been doing some interesting stuff regarding uh, fertility. Um, It's like one of his things. He's really into talking about how the world is not replacing itself. We're not having enough kids, like across the board, basically in every country. And he has got this pinned on his Twitter feed. And by the way, he's I do think he's going to get Twitter purchased is Elon Musk. And boy, if he could just have some free speech. See, the thing is, Elon Musk declares himself to be a moderate, middle-of-the-road kind of guy. And the fanatic leftists at Twitter hate, hate, hate that. You see, they hate somebody who's like a middle-of-the-roader, right? Tells you what freaks they are. The tech tyrants are freaks, folks. But Elon Musk pinned tweet. It's been there this way, pinned for for a couple of weeks anyway, from May 24th. The United States birth rate has been below minimum sustainable levels for 50 years. Okay. And he has this helpful graph that shows the curves going straight down that we're way below replacement level. And Elon had another tweet, and uh, this is uh, June 17th, two days ago, in which he includes the, the link to the YouTube clip of the opening scenes to the movie Idiocracy. (laughs) <laughs> which is a 2006 movie, which is one of my all-time favorites. Is a movie by Mike Judge, who's done so many hilarious movies over the years. But Elon Musk, uh, that tweet from June 17th says, watch the opening scene of Idiocracy. When I ask my friends why they're not yet having kids, very few of them are, it sounds exactly like the movie. And so on a Father's Day, I thought maybe I could just dilate and expand upon idiocracy a little bit, which could be, in some ways, the most important movie that we've had made this century. It's uh, quite hilarious. If you have not seen it, it's a cult hit. It's a cult classic. And a lot of people who've seen it um, can make references to it, and they still quote from it. And that's how you know a movie um, integrated itself into the pop culture when people make jokes about President Camacho or various things. But just so, I just recommend you consider 
clicking on that and watching the opening scenes. If you have not yet seen Idiocracy, which is a spoof and a satire on the future United States of America after um, – and again, it's uh, – it, this, this movie, by the way, never went to the theaters because the ruling class at that time thought it was um, beyond the pale. It was not acceptable for mass viewership. And, of course, that makes you want to watch it even more, right? It went straight to video. And um, for a straight-to-video movie, by the way, it's had outsized cultural impact. But at any rate, if you watch the opening scenes to Idiocracy, you will see this very well-to-do couple that's like in their, say, early 30s. And um, the husband and wife are like being interviewed in the documentary. And they're talking about why they're not qu- – they're, they're married and they're not quite ready to have kids yet. Um, they're just they're, – they're, they're waiting for just that right time to have kids. And they're both extremely well-educated and they've got their – college degrees and college graduate degrees. And yes, they're a very white couple. Um, and um, they're having, they're, they're like all bright and hopeful and optimistic in their early 30s in this uh, opening scene. And they're talking about, you know, they're waiting just for the right time to have kids and finish their uh, graduate degrees and uh, make sure that their income levels are appropriately high enough to start having children. And then in these opening scenes, they flash back to them um, five or six years later, and they talk about how, well, you know, still not quite ready to have kids because, oh, the market conditions are not good and their finances really aren't quite there, and they're having these sort of intellectual debates about when is the exact right time to have kids. And um, then it goes on to the next clip from them a few years later, another five or however many years later, and they decided finally it was time to start having kids. But then they somehow... uh, weren't able to have kids. Things weren't working, and they were uh, having to go through the treatments to try to have children, but they never quite got it accomplished. And so interspersed between these little vignettes from this couple, this nice, educated, well-to-do couple who is debating the timing of having children, um, they clip to the people who are actually having children in this movie and in, in America in the Mike Judge vision of it. And they would be, uh, shall we say, as the movie states, you know, the, the lower IQ segments of the population who have no debate on whether or not they're going to be having kids. The kids just sort of start happening and showing up. And they're, there's like this one uh, couple living in some hammered neighborhood somewhere that's just surrounded by a pack of kids that are hitting each other with baseball bats. And uh, <laughs> anyway, of course, there's one of those things you have to see. I'm trying to narrate it as best I can. And so the premise of the movie Idiocracy is that after hundreds of years of this, of, um, of the uh, high IQ people not quite being able to find that right moment to have kids, um, being contrasted with uh, people who um, kids are an afterthought um, and have tons of them, you go 100 years down the evolutionary curve there and um, – Pretty soon, America, the uh, the IQ level in America has gone down to uh, single digits. And the main, the main character in the movie is this guy who somehow ended up uh, in a time capsule and frozen and then somehow came unfrozen several hundred years into the future of America. And he was kind of a, just a very average guy at the time. And it uh, turns out he becomes like the, the smartest guy on the planet by far a few hundred years into the future. And um, at any rate, 
that's where Elon Musk is uh, trying to direct our attention into the lack of uh, replacement levels of the population. And even points out that China no longer has its one-child policy, but it still is not replacing itself and is about to you know, fall off a demographic cliff. And this is something that I, I, you know, I don't know if people are thinking about. And you guys, you guys all know people like this who, who you know, maybe waited a little long to have, have the children and all that. And that's, that's one of those things where, you know, it's a spoof movie. And, um, you know, I don't quite, you know, endorse all of that. But I, I think it's at least a cultural point. And it's, it's an exaggerated point, obviously, that I think is somewhat relevant to be having on our minds, especially on this Father's Day, you know, which is why you can bring things up. That um, the weird sort of leftist, should you call it like a death cult, that they, they have this implanted in your head. And I don't know if kids are educated this way these days that, oh, if you have children, it's going to just help destroy the environment. It's going to help ruin the planet. And, oh, why would you want to bring children into this world when the, the planet is uh, just on the edge of becoming uninhabitable and you know we have to we have to you know reduce the population sizes but you know th- that that attitude seems to be pretty much omnipresent on the left and then again if you look at some of the more of this data that Elon Musk puts out you know the the professional classes in America are most definitely not replacing themselves um and so what what exactly is their vision for the future just, you know, fewer people around, fewer humans around. Is that somehow going to, like, save the planet? But, I mean, I don't know. Who's going who's gonna to take care of you? These people might wonder. Who's, who's going to uh, provide for you when you need other people around to provide for you and so forth? And just planting the seed that, uh, you know, let's not fall into this the liberal death cult thing about, about children. Children are good. The more, the better. That's how I see it. And I'm sticking to it. Musk has eight kids. He says he's doing his part. When Daddy Let Me Drive, that Father's Day tune from Alan Jackson. We've all got those memories, do we not? When Daddy Let Us Drive. Just an old, was it a two-ton Ford? Bought new in 1964. Boy, those are the golden years of the Ford trucks, right? From the mid-60s to the mid-70s, those things, man, they hold their value. And you want to get those Dana 60 axles, let me tell you. Those things, that's what the rock crawlers like. At any rate, I just did a little thing on yeah, idiocracy and lack of replacement levels in, in the country. Elon Musk, that's one of his big beefs. And, uh, and I, I approve and I applaud that very much. And I don't know. Uh, You've got uh, Joe Biden. Uh, you wonder, I mean, are we in an idiocracy right now? I mean, some people say it's an oligarchy that we're living in and kind of a, definitely uh, maybe some kind of an aristocracy or the ruling class is running the show. But um, maybe idiocracy is kind of actually where where we are. And uh, just, I mean, just listen to listen to Joe Biden. What is he yelling at here? I don't want to hear any more of these lies about reckless spending. We're changing people's lives. Yeah, <laughs> What is he even talking about? You know, um, he gets on stage and he starts yelling about stuff. And it's like, well, the old man is yelling again. Or else he's like falling off of his bike. And he does a very convincing uh, falling off of his bike. And 
By the way, Biden, he, he, he can't even remember what the LGBTQ stuff is. Not that I can remember it, but uh, listen to Biden kind of fumble this one. I'm also proud to have signed an executive order on my first day in office to combat discrimination against LGBTQI, excuse me, plus Americans in housing, in health care, in education, in employment, financial services. Yeah, and so he, he couldn't even get the, This is like the card-carrying left-wing leader of the free world, and he can't even get his acronyms remembered properly. Is this got to be, like, incredibly embarrassing to the left. I think it's got to be. And then you throw in, shall we say, the Vice President Kamala. And I mean, is this are we living in a, an idiocracy? Let's let's get some veep thoughts. There's some guy named Stu puts these things together. You got to I mean, is this where we are? And now, veep thoughts by Kamala Harris. We will work together and continue to work together to address these issues, to tackle these challenges, and to work together as we continue to work operating from the new norms, rules, and agreements that we will convene to work together on, and I know we will work on this together. This has been Veep Thoughts by Kamala Harris. I hope everybody found that suitably inspiring, as did I, your host of Backbone Radio. And there's another little montage of Kamala Harris. And again, you want, are we living in the idiocracy moment here? You know, when we talk about our children, I know for this group, we all believe that when we talk about the children of the community, they are a children of the community. And so what we all experienced is... On an electric school bus, on an electric bus, no exhaust, no diesel smell. It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Every day it is time for us to agree. This whole thing about the border, we've been to the border. We've been to the border. You haven't been to the border. And I haven't been to Europe. And I I don't think you guys... And my pronouns are she, her, and hers. She, her, and hers. She would look down at me and Kamala, what do you want? What do you want? And I looked back up at her and I said, freedom! (laughs) You're going to literally see the craters on the moon with your own eyes. With your own eyes, I'm telling you. We must together, work together, to see where we are, where we are headed, but also see it as a moment, yes, to together. It is the perspective of, of a woman who grew up a, a, a black child in America, who was also a prosecutor, who also has a mother who arrived here at the age of 19 from India, who also, you know, likes hip hop. <laughs> like, what do you want to know? <laughs> yeah, there's the, yeah, that's uh, Veep Thoughts from Kamala Harris, our vice president. Who got 81 million votes. Yeah, she and Joe got 81 million votes. And um, if you buy it in our idiocracy, yeah. By the way, Joe Biden is doing everything he can to um, to deny any responsibility for the high gas prices, which have more than doubled since President Trump left office, most unfortunately. And um, he's like blaming it on Putin. He says, no, there's no cause and effect. None of my energy policies had anything to do with this. And... 
I don't know. Do you do you buy it? I mean, listen to Joe Biden talking about talking about his energy policy going back to 2020. Here's the things he said. Would there be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking in a Biden administration? No, we would we would work it out. We would make sure it's eliminated. No more drilling on federal lands. No more drilling, including offshore. No ability for the oil industry to continue to drill, period. I guarantee you. We're going to end fossil fuel. What about, say, stopping fracking and stopping yes. new pipeline infrastructure? Yes. And, new pipeline. And, and, exactly. and No more, no new fracking. We are going to get rid of fossil fuels. I've argued against any more oil drilling or gas drilling on federal lands. No one's going to build a coal-fired plant again, and we're going to get rid of the ones we have now. Have a transition from the oil industry, yes. Would you be willing to sacrifice some of that growth? even knowing potentially that it could displace thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of blue-collar workers in the interest of transitioning to that greener economy? The answer is yes. Oh, did you hear all that? Biden ready to plunge this economy into grave turmoil so he can achieve whatever this green energy fantasy dream that he has even on his dimmest days? Yeah, I think this is on Biden. I think there is a cause and effect and... Tucker Carlson grabbed a good one here. Let's hear this one. So how did this happen? Well, we're going to let you decide. We're going to play you a tape from a campaign event during the last Democratic presidential primaries in New Hampshire. This video was shot in 2019 at a moment when not a single person in the country really believed that Joe Biden had any chance to win his party's nomination. So because they gave him no chance, not a lot of people were paying attention when Biden was asked whether he would continue to take donations from the oil and gas industry. Here's how he responded. Kiddo, I want you to just take a look, okay? You don't have to agree, but I want you to look in my eyes. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, we're going to end fossil fuel, and I am not going to cooperate with you, okay? We're going to end fossil fuel. End fossil fuel? The basis of the entire American economy? Yeah, and of course, when you get energy inflation, it gets the entire economy in a shambles, which is where we are right now. And even CNN says it's bad, but bad, really, really bad, worse than Carter bad. Ooh. Now, bringing David in San Francisco, California, up onto the phone lines. And last week, David was saying that Biden has nothing to do with our rising energy prices and having heard those two clips, do you still you still have that viewpoint, David? Well, it's any fool can tell you that the people that hate Biden are jacking up gas prices, right? Oh, I didn't know that. Now, just real quick, David. David, you just heard Joe Houston? Biden say he's going to end fossil fuels. He's going to end them, and now the prices have more than doubled. In the president? Biden administration, and you're saying that, no, that's not the case, it's not true, Biden has nothing to do with it? Are you primitive? Do you want to burn rocks and burn ancient dinosaur juice? I mean, this stuff's running so, out. But fast. you said last week that Biden had nothing to do with rising gas prices and energy prices in America. Do you still hold to that, David? Yes or no? Do you still hold to that, David? Do you hold to that, yes or no? Okay. He was started yelling, and that's what David does. And we enjoy that from time to time, even on a Father's Day. <laughs> That's what we're dealing with on the left coast. All right. We'll be right back on Backbone Radio. Got to love a little Fats Domino, Blueberry Hill. For me, that's just one of the all-time greats right there. You just can't get enough of it. 
And I remember my oldest child, now 11, when she was a little tiny person, she said blueberry, and she said blue blurry. They're blue blurries. <laughs> anyway, so whenever I hear the word blueberry, I think blue blurry. Ah, yes, it's Father's Day, just just doing that. And on, on this Father's Day, I just had another text to the studio. The comedians are out in force. And regarding our last caller named David from San Francisco, this individual said, let us hope fervently that David does not procreate. And so just a joke, and we uh, we mean well. I was just trying to engage in a little direct conversation rather than like this all-over-the-map stuff, and you know how that gets. Quick bit about the Second Amendment. I could do, I, could have, I was going to do a lot more on this, but somehow way leads to way, and then you're on different paths. But at any rate, the ruling class, the globalist elite, and the um, international globalist elite, the one thing that I think really worries them about the future is that there is a Second Amendment in the United States of America and that uh, hundreds of millions of Americans are armed and that they have the right to bear arms constitutionally from our Second Amendment. That bothers them greatly. That is the one thing that really, they really want to get rid of the Second Amendment or find ways to chip away at it and render it ineffective so that any conceivable threat to the power of the illegitimate, corrupt ruling class on top of America and on top of the world will not meet undue resistance. That's how they feel about it. That's the context with which I see the Second Amendment. And I am a no-go on any of these red flag laws or any compromises to the Second Amendment, in spite of all the, you know, the sad things that can happen in this country and then the propaganda that gets blown all around them. Okay, that's just, it's too important. The Second Amendment is too important. And without the Second Amendment, you don't have any other amendments that are valid in our Constitution, and you don't have a Constitution that is valid without the Second Amendment. Of course, Senator Cornyn and a few other rhino senators, including Mitt Romney, Lindsey Graham, the usual loser suspects, are all in favor of this new red flag law that uh, is being pushed through D.C., yes, by the globalist elites, by the ruling class, and it's their effort to use recent sad events to get their overarching goals achieved, and that is to get rid of effectively the Second Amendment in the United States of America. Non-starter with me, and this is one of the things that we have to be laser attention on. Tucker Carlson has some great things to say about it. And um, let's hear his first clip here. This is very powerful stuff. So what exactly are they backing when they back red flag laws? Well, we can take Florida's experience as an example. In Florida, the police can seize guns from people who pose a, quote, significant danger based on, quote, any relevant evidence. Huh. That's it. Any relevant evidence. The law raises some obvious questions. And the most obvious is if you can seize people's guns without proving that they committed a crime, why can't you imprison them without proving they committed a crime? If you can take their guns, why can't you take their homes? Why can't you empty their bank accounts? Ooh, sound paranoid? Alex Jones stuff? That just happened in Canada. Exactly. You're going to take their guns. You can take anything. You can take their money. You can take their car. You can take any private property possessions they happen to have. 
Without due process, the due process clause of the Fourth Amendment is vital, vital, vital to the survival of this republic. And that's exactly what these moron rhino senators are going against. It is really, really an outrageous thing. And Senator Cornyn got himself booed quite impressively speaking at the uh, Texas the Texas State GOP convention, and I'm looking for that clip. Where did I hide that one? Oh, yes, here it is on my button bar array. Listen to Senator Cornyn get booed, and this audio clip doesn't even do it justice. Apparently, the booing was massive, booing this guy, this rhino red flag Republican senator off the stage in Texas. So let's take our country back, starting with Congress in November. Oh, man, that was loud and proud booing of that pathetic excuse for a rhino senator from Texas, Cornyn. Oh, bad scene, folks. And let's hear a little more Tucker on this particular red flag scenario. After the killings in Buffalo and Uvalde a few weeks ago, you begin to hear people on television talk about something called red flag laws. The government, they informed us, could actually end mass shootings tomorrow simply by taking the guns away from mass shooters before they commit mass shootings. It's not complicated. In fact, it's such an obvious solution that you had to wonder why we weren't already doing that. Who does want to prevent mass shootings? Well, only the gun lobby. Everybody else cares about children. So a lot of Americans, not surprisingly, now say they want red flag laws. And why wouldn't they? Like supporting Black Lives Matter or fighting climate change or getting the COVID shot or standing with the brave people of Ukraine. Red flag laws seem like one of those ideas that no decent person could possibly oppose. You want crazy people to have guns? Of course you don't. Who would? So naturally, you're for red flag laws. And in fact, we may soon get red flag laws across the country. Massive ruling class propaganda to come for your guns. Of course, that's what they want to do. And you get some darn rhinos who are ready to go along with it when Biden's popularity is sitting around his ankles probably less than 30 percent. Let's hear more. So what would that mean if we do? Well, two things you should know. First, red flag laws will not end mass shootings, but red flag laws will end due process. Due process is a simple concept, but it's the key to everything that is good about America. Fourth Amendment. In our system of justice, citizens cannot be punished without first being charged with a crime. Politicians cannot just decide to hurt you, throw you in handcuffs, lock you in jail, seize your property, simply because they don't like how you think or how you vote. No. Before they punish you, they have to go through a formal process in which they describe which specific law you broke and exactly how you broke it. They have to prove it. For serious crimes with big penalties, the government has to convince a group of your fellow citizens first. It's called a grand jury. And this government must convince them that you deserve to be punished or they cannot proceed. None of this is new. This is the way we've done things in America for more than 200 years. And it's exactly why we have and have always had the fairest justice system in the world. People move to this country from all over the globe to benefit from it. But red flag laws will end this. 
Under red flag laws, the government doesn't have to prove you did anything wrong in order to strip you of your most basic rights. All that's required to punish you is a complaint, possibly even an anonymous complaint, in which somebody says you seem dangerous. Now, that complaint doesn't come from a grand jury. It can come from anyone, including someone who hates you or someone who simply doesn't like your politics. It doesn't matter because no jury will ever see it. On the basis of that unproven complaint, you lose your freedom and your ability to defend yourself and your family. Flatly unconstitutional are these red flag laws, as we'll look into more. And let's hear one more clip here. Now, how could that possibly happen in this country? Well, the Supreme Court has said unequivocally that it can't happen here. A year ago, the Supreme Court ruled in a case called Caniglia versus Strong. Police in Rhode Island had seized the personal firearms of a 68-year-old man whose wife had called in a complaint against him after they had an argument. That man had committed no crime. He'd never been convicted of a crime, and he was judged by doctors to be sane. And yet the authorities took away his guns anyway. He sued under the Fourth Amendment, and the case went all the way to the Supreme Court. The result was not even close. The Supreme Court sided with the gun owner in that case in a rare 9-0 decision. That means that every justice, liberal and conservative, agreed that authorities cannot just seize your property or throw you in jail because they don't like the way you look or because someone is mad at you. So red flag laws are unconstitutional, period. We don't need to guess about that. And yet the Biden administration is pushing them anyway. Why? Because they don't care. They are flat out unconstitutional, are red flag laws. Look at the 2021 case, 9-0, Caniglia, C-A-N-I-G-L-I-A v. Strom, in which, yes, it was a due process case of the Fourth Amendment. And 9-0, Clarence Thomas wrote the majority opinion. They said, nope, Supreme Court says we still have due process in this country and red flag laws are unconstitutional. But, yep, the ruling class does not. They, they are made uncomfortable by an armed citizenry. But guess what? They're going to just have to get used to it. Let's, let's go to the mat on this one, folks. Be right back. Hank Sr., Hank Williams, the iconic sacred song called I Saw the Light. And happy Father's Day across Colorado. It's been a good one. And thanks to all the well wishes on Father's Day from the texters to studio and the dozens of them we have received today, and many of them quite unduly comic. I mean, we, we've got comedians out there, and I fully approve. <laughs> I read as many of them as I could into the program, and we've covered an awful lot of bases. Do make sure you go out and see Top Gun. We took the kids out to see the new Top Gun Maverick movie 36 years after the original. And, yes, it's Hollywood fantasy fluff stuff, but, man... So well done, so well rendered. And I do think Hollywood is waking up and realizing, man, we're, st- we're sure glad we've got Tom Cruise still around because he, apparently this, this film is incredibly successful and it's not woke and it's not all the Hollywood stuff and they just, they just get right to it. A lot of, you know, macho action, but yes, with a good love story in there. And so uh, I like the one a little better, the first one, because it's, you know, that's, that was my formative years and, but this one is really good, and my, my nine-year-old son says this is uh, his all-time. This is like the best movie ever, the best. And so I'm DJing the swim meet yesterday morning, the DJ and the MC. Best music for a swim meet ever, according to myself. And no, a lot of people like say, hey, what's your playlist? Can I, can I get a print out of your playlist? This is fun. 
Anyway, um, I had all these requests for Top Gun. That, you know that Danger Zone song? You know the Danger Zone song. The, uh, this one. Yeah, that one. And we better, we better pause that. We, we, we don't do that very often anymore. And uh, I had like 10 requests for that tune. It's the old Kenny Loggins tune, Danger Zone, which says Top Gun. Does it not? And we're going to the phone lines in just one second, but I wanted to work one last thing in, and that's about uh, Colonel McGregor's update on uh, on Ukraine. And he writes a brilliant essay in The American Conservative, came out June 17th, and the headline is this, When the Lies Come Home, After Lying for Months, the Media Are Preparing the Public for Ukraine's Military Collapse. And McGregor's been on this all the way along. We have been on this all the way along. We saw through every bit of the warmonger propaganda distributed by people like Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger and basically every every Democrat under the sun. This is a massive pratfall. It's only getting worse. The media is trying to set up the right narrative for them to get out of this one. Yet another failure. Man, the cumulative failures you see from our military industrial complex like Afghanistan, Iraq, Libya, Syria, my gosh. But McGregor just says this in the essay, the Western media did everything in its power to give the Ukrainian defense the appearance of far greater strength than it really possessed. Russian errors were exaggerated out of all proportion to their significance. Russian losses and the true extent of Ukraine's own losses were distorted fabricated or simply ignored, but conditions on the battlefield change, <clears throat> change little over time. Once Ukrainian forces immobilized themselves in static defensive positions inside urban areas and the central Donbass, the Ukrainian position was hopeless. And I'm just paraphrasing bits here from Colonel Douglas McGregor. We played a lot of his audio over the past several months. The result has been the piecemeal annihilation of Ukrainian forces. Only the episodic infusion of the United States and allied weapons kept Kiev's battered legions in the field, legions that are now dying in great numbers thanks to Washington's proxy war. And I've seen data that like over 10,000 killed in Ukraine thanks to this misguided Washington proxy war. McGregor says Kiev's war with Moscow is lost. Ukrainian forces are being bled white. Trained replacements do not exist in sufficient numbers to influence the battle, and the situation grows more desperate by the hour. No amount of United States and allied military aid or assistance short of direct military intervention by U.S. and NATO ground forces can change this harsh reality. And he says, um, just, just getting right to, this, to the summarizing paragraph uh, at the very end of this piece by Colonel Douglas McGregor, in November... Americans will go to the polls. The election itself will do more than test the integrity of the American electoral process. The election is also likely to ensure that Biden is remembered for his intransigence, his refusal to change course like Herbert Hoover in 1932. Democrats will recall that their predecessors in the Democratic Party effectively ran against Hoover for more than half a century. And Republicans may end up running against Joe Biden for the next 50 years. End quote from Douglas McGregor. Yep, there you go. That's uh, that's the guy they installed 
in our idiocracy, Joe Biden and um, another another deep state mess, another military industrial complex, absolute catastrophe here in Ukraine. Just watch it play, folks. Watch it play. People are starting to wake up to this. Now, let's say a little hello to Holly. Holly in Aurora, thanks for hanging on a minute, and welcome to the program, Holly. Hi, Dr. Dunn. How are you doing? Doing all right. <laughs> Hope you are well. Happy Father's Oh. oh, I am. Happy Father's Day to you, too. Thank you so I'm much. I'm glad other people have called you. Oh, you bet. So that's great. You bet. Uh, you know what? I hadn't heard that particular um, country western song that you just that you played a little bit ago before. Not Hank Williams, but the other one. Um, I'd heard him sing things before, but I hadn't heard him sing that particular song about um, I remember when Daddy let me drive. Oh, yeah. Alan Jackson, Javier, the drive song. Yes. Beautiful song, yeah. yes. And um, I was telling Javier, I, I, it just caught my fancy as soon as I heard it, and I thought, I'm going to call Dr. Dunn and tell him, I remember when my daddy let me drive the first time, and I, it was a tractor. I was raised <laughs> on a farm, and I was about four and a half years old. I couldn't touch the couldn't touch the uh, gears and everything, but um, he let me get down between his legs and hold on to his knees and push one thing or another with my hand because I was only about four and a half years old. But man, I thought I was the biggest thing that ever happened. <laughs> oh, what a beautiful story. And we, we, we I think most yeah. of us have those kind of memories and you, you know that they're going to yep. just stay with us as long as we're above ground. Uh, yep. Yeah. Wonderful. And uh, yeah. yeah, that's, that's the so, story about, you know, daddy let him drive that old 64 Ford. And yep. uh, I have Both some of those of my down. Parents on... are gone. Oh, go Both ahead. Of my parents are gone now, but, um, and so Father's Day and Mother's Day are just not, you know, that important to my siblings and I, since we don't have children and since our parents are gone. Sure. But that just was great because it made me remember that. I just, I'm like, oh, I remember when Daddy let me drive. <laughs> well, so and I've got those up. memories, too, of being, uh, you know, under the age of 16 and down on mm-hmm. uh, some of the Dunn family farms in southeast Colorado and Oklahoma and having my father and my uncles allow me to drive a little bit on some of the trucks down there on the farm. And, oh, that was big time, big time, yep. Holly. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And four and a half on a tractor. Just curious, what was that farm here in Colorado or what, what it part? Was. It what? was northern Colorado. Yeah, it was. It was northern Colorado. And um, my dad was a foreman for another farmer, you know, that owned their farm. And my dad was the foreman in and so every so often we got to get on the tra- tractor with him. Yes. And, um, and, and what a mostly perfect I only way. rode with him. But then this one time he let me get down and try pushing on, on the gears or whatever it was. I can't even remember now. But I remember thinking, man, I'm six feet tall right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, what a perfect yeah. way, Miss Holly, to end a conversation or end a Backbone well, Radio good. program. Thank you for you sharing tell, that you with tell us. Your kids, you tell your kids they're wonderful and we all love them. All right. Uno, dos, tres, and cuatro. Holly, thank you, and happy Father's Day. Thanks, Javier. See you next Sunday. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.